Well, John, we ain't doing that again. No, never again. No more mu- No more musical episodes. Never again. That is a theme that does not work for this pod, apparently. No, first weekly release and did it on a musical. Absolute car crash. Never again. Wanted, wanted it released on a Wednesday. Released it on a Wednesday. Bombed. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not pleased. No. Nope. I'm, I'm upset. I'm feeling quite uninspired at the moment. I think I've got just the thing. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Movies in a Podshell podcast. The podcast which takes a theme, except musicals, and... <laughs> Sorry, I can't even take it seriously, and, and couples it with, with another another film. Uh, this week you've got a, a spoiler cast. We're doing Top Gun Maverick. We're going to be talking about both the Top Guns. John, I'm so, so hyped about this. I've not been this excited about a film in a very long time. I completely agree. I think, honestly, a rare occurrence where the sequel is better than the original. And that's a bold statement to make at the start of the podcast. But I'm going to open it with a bang. I mean, I think it's quite comfortably a sequel that's better than its original. Yeah. By, by, by a comfortable margin, right? I would say so. But before we get into that, we have had some great questions this week, which we're going to interweave into the episode. But before we get started, we thought what we should really do before we start the Top Gun hype is actually... Talk about Mr. Tom Cruise himself. Jamie talked about doing a top three, and then I struggled with the top three and ended up writing doing a top five anyway. So do you want to do a top three or a top five? Well, I've got a top five here. So, um, Let's go yeah, five. This, this, yeah, this could be the Tom Cruise show, because he deserves it, I think. Well, I want to talk about him a lot this episode, because he's so ridiculous. We'll get into that, because maybe I'll mention it off the bat. There was a really interesting point that I watched, and um, people have um, a lot of critical discourse going on around Maverick and like how how good it is. But people are trying to understand why, and it's because you, back in old Hollywood, you had people pushing the boundaries, always trying to do something different. So Hitchcock had a different style, Kubrick was trying different things, Fincher did different things, puts cameras in different places, and they they push the boundaries of like what film is and make new stuff. Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah. No. <laughs> Dennis Villeneuve uh, with June, etc. And then you could argue um, Christopher Nolan, like love him or hate him. Like he really does different things. He's pushing the art form and he's like, he uses IMAX cameras in places they couldn't be used before. And they've got smaller and smaller and smaller. Tom Cruise is a producer now, as much as he is an actor. He's involved in everything from getting the financing to do the film, the training before the film, doing the shoot. He's involved in the script writing. He's involved in the edit. Don't start the joke. And yeah, essentially, he's got his fingerprints over all, every single aspect. So Tom Cruise himself, I don't think you could argue, is an auteur, but it's almost like a brand of films in itself. A Tom Cruise film contains the Tom Cruise run. It contains Excellent. an action set piece where he's putting himself in incredible danger, which he doesn't really need to do, but he respects the audience, so he does it. And you know, that that's basically what you're paying your admission for. I think he's like the last truly great movie star in the sense of, You've said this before on the pod, like people pay to see a Tom Cruise film because you know what you're going to get. It's a, Is he the last, would you film. say he's the last action hero? Ironically. <laughs> kind of. Um, but yeah, basically he, he he has become like a brand in himself and his films are a brand. And Christopher McCory was one of the producers on this film, as well as the original producer from Top Gun. I think it's Bro- Terry Bruckheimer. But anyway, McCory and him have a great partnership now where... 
I, I listened to a really in-depth interview with um, uh, when they did Mission Impossible Fallout and their process was they kind of thought of the set pieces first and cool locations and then they worked the script out backwards and that's kind of Tom Cruise's which is uh, crazy, style. isn't it? Because you yeah. wouldn't think that that would work. But then as someone said, you don't go to a Mission Impossible film for the best plot in the world. You go for the kind of experience of, like, what's it going to be like? What crazy stunts Tom Cruise doing? Is he, like, hanging off a building in Dubai? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? Anyway, so, yeah. Now we've kind of talked about the fact Tom Cruise is the main person pushing filmmaking to try and do something different. Uh, let's talk about some of his our top five films that he's done. So, Jamie, what's your number five? My number five is uh, Collateral. Oh, yeah. The one when he's older, right? Which is, yeah, Michael Mann. Um, when Michael Mann, Michael Mann does do a banging film now and again. He, obviously, is his magnum opus, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Collateral, I I only watched it maybe last year, and I don't know why it took me so long, but it's it's brilliant. It's, uh, yeah, just a really good Tom Cruise performance, as always. You, you kind of know what you're getting. It's got Jamie Foxx, and he's... Uh, it's about Jamie Foxx, the cab driver, and he picks up um, Tom Cruise, who turns out he's an assassin. Yeah, <laughs> he drives he, him around all night. It's after he's done a hit, isn't it? I, I think yeah. I have seen it. It's, it's one of those I've not seen for years if I have seen it, but I remember I had a friend who's really into it, so I definitely watched it at his house, but it's been a long, long time. But yeah, it was, it was It's worth it. It's, re- it's really good. It's really good. And by the way, can I just say that I've not seen all the Tom Cruise films, so no, when, I, when I don't mention Rain Man... You've not seen it, Rain Man? No, I haven't. No. Oh, so when wow. I don't when when I don't mention Rain Man, people are gonna be like, "Why is he not mentioned Rain Man?" And so I'm telling you, I haven't seen it. Uh, for the record, I have seen Rain Man, but it's not in my top five because I've just picked ones that I've watched the most that I enjoy. And again, like most things, it's not the ones that are probably the best reviewed. Um, are yours particularly ordered numbers wise? Because I'm looking at my order, and I think they're very interchangeable. To be completely honest, but uh, my top two are definitely correct. Okay. 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 Cool. I'll go for my fifth spot then. I'll put Oblivion. Oblivion was 2012. It's the mm. same director as Top Gun Maverick. It's also the same director as Tron Legacy. And basically it's about uh, a dystopian sci-fi world where, well, it's Earth, but we don't know what's happened. There's like points that uh, need, it's like oil rigs, isn't it? It's not oil rigs. There's like certain things that are helping the atmosphere stay a certain way and Tom Cruise maintains them. And we basically find out he's living a lie. And to what extent, we don't find out till later. Um, you got Morgan Freeman in there in the supporting cast as well. So yeah, it's a really good sci-fi. And it's one of the first uses of the volume. It was a very basic version of the volume that's used on Mandalorian, which is when you have a big screen, big LED screen. So you get realistic reflections and shadows, yes. that kind of stuff. But he lives in like a sky base. If you've ever seen Captain Scarlet Deep Hit, it's kind of like that. And yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> so if you've ever no seen one. Captain Scarlet, most people are gonna be like, "What is Captain, Captain Scarlet?" Scarlet. Like, what have is a whale, a Captain Scarlet? Once they Google that, they'll have a whale of a time watching it. Though um, Captain so, Scarlet, he's d- the d- hero, d- indestructible. Yeah, excellent. I remember, I used to have a. Is it not? I used to have a Captain Scarlet doll. Indestructible man who conquered the earth. Right, enough of that. Jamie, number four for Tom Cruise bangers. Okay, Tom Cruise bangers. Um, are we are we talking about like? I've just realised. Are, are we talking about his performances or his best films? I'm going off for me the films I enjoy watching the most, and I'm not going to say it's... Okay, that's a good. Okay, I like that. Then. That's the way okay. I'm rolling with it. I'm going to go with in that case then, um, Minority Report 
at number four. Just to, before we go there, I literally put that as my number four. So let's just... Did you? Yeah, oh, excellent. Just, so okay. let's just say that. Yeah, fine. We just, yeah, let's, let's talk about But you go for it. You talk us about Minority Report. What, um, it's quite old right now. It's probably 2000... It's 2002. Yeah, um, oh, Yeah, Steven Spielberg, the, yep. one, of the, one of the masters of sci-fi as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise plays John Anderton, Mr. Mm. Anderton, um, and he's a pre-crime cop. And what they do is they can predict crimes before they're committed. Um, and so then what they can do is they can, yeah, they can go into that crime before it's, it happens and try and stop it from happening. It's a bit of it's a morality tale as well. Yeah, it's a morality tale, isn't it? Because it's like, if it's premeditated, like, it doesn't, just because these people, so they have like, uh, they're not aliens, are they? They're humans who've got like a, they're almost like the mutants in X-Men. They can kind of predict the future, but actually it turns out they can't always predict what's going to happen they see an option of what could happen it's not necessarily going to happen and when they arrest people for these crimes they haven't actually completed the crime yet so the first the oh the first sequence stuff i love my auto report sorry I'm, I'm rambling all over it's got the bleach um by uh bleach bypass process it's got a really washed out look really harsh lighting and stuff there's an amazing uh chase sequence with colin farrell in a factory which is what inspired um, the Clone Factory sequence in Attack of the Clones because George Lucas was jealous that Tom Cruise had done it with ILM for Minority ah, Report. It looks okay. way better in Minority Report by a country mile. Most films look better than <laughs> Attack of the Clones. But anyway, yeah, um, Minority Report's great. Really good action, really solid. But also it's it's quite an emotional story. I find it quite hard one because the backstory is Tom Cruise lost his son and that's why he's dedicated to the program because he's trying to make sure that no one ever goes through what he went through. So if he can stop crimes before they can happen, then that's the case. Um, He's manipulative, fully enough. So yeah, really good film. Also, John Williams' score again. So a lot, a lot riding for it, and a lot of the technology in that film now weirdly exists. So there's like personalized adverts for people when they walk through stores and that kind of thing. Now at the moment, we only get that on our YouTube channels. But um, I was at a conference recently talking about like the future of retail, and these things already exist in other parts of the world now. Like, yeah. You so have do you know facial recognition or eye rec- or you know they kind of. So get this. Yeah. There's so in obviously uh, John and I live in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Please don't try and find us and do something to us. Um but yeah, we live in Birmingham and uh, there is uh like outside of uh, the train station there's like a big eye like yes, with there LED is. screen. Yeah. That eye does that. So that eye does face recognition. And it targets at the whoever's like the demographic that are standing around. Yeah, it's, it's quite creepy. But anyway, let's not get, it is pretty the, creepy, get yeah. into the politics of that because it is what it is. The next one I've gone for, which is my number three, because we had the same number four. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, I think, is one of the best science fiction films made in like the past twenty years. I think that's what you about to say ever made. It's, no, it's no, fantastic. No. Lived, I repeat. Lived. Well, yeah. Again, for American listeners, I don't know if it was called Lived, I repeat, rather than Edge of Tomorrow because it changed title multiple times, didn't it? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's Emily Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. Yeah. And uh, it's basically a film where it's a time loop film. So if you've seen something like Groundhog Day, it's a similar vibe and. He basically works out that he needs to complete the day a certain way to to save. It sounds naff when I say it, but like to save humanity, but to stop the loop. And those kind of episodes of Star Trek usually drive me nuts. But Tom Cruise is brilliant in it. It's really well done. And yeah, definitely worth a watch. And I need to rewatch it. But last time, I'm, I'm in my head, the special effects were just insane. 
like it looks photo real and it, just, does, yeah. it was just gorgeous oh, it's, it's, it's a great great film i i didn't put so i didn't put edge of tomorrow or oblivion on my list because i haven't seen them enough okay so for me that they're, they're they've been big rewatches. i would say i've seen them at least four or five times but you know me yeah. you would have expected me to rewatch them four or five times by now yeah, um, of course yeah so yeah so, yeah my number three um is obviously when tom cruise linked up with our very own martin scorsese um, uh, okay for the color of money mm-hmm. um so i saw this when i was a kid actually never seen it so it's a it's kind of a sequel i guess to the hustler uh so the hustler has um paul newman paul newman also starts stars in the color of money and it's yeah it's about fast eddie felson who he wants to return to the game of pool and um yeah so he, he takes a pupil and that pupil is um mr cruise Mr. Cruz, yeah. So it's uh, he's really young in it. It's 1986. Uh, yeah, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's basically a hustler. It's, it's exciting. It's great. And it's about their relationship and stuff. And yeah, they, they have a fallout, that kind of thing. And it's, yeah, I haven't seen it in a little while, but I, I love it. Interesting as well, because that's the same year as Top Gun released, 1986. So And yeah, he looks he looks way different in Colour of Money. He's got like a, this like big, like sort of bouffant like hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can it's I just weird. say it's as like well... A like it's amazing the uh, directors that Tom Cruise has worked with. He worked with Kubrick. He worked with Spielberg. He's worked with who did you just say? Sorry, Scorsese. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Tarantino, get Tarantino with him. John White, John Woo, mate. He's worked with John, John Woo. Woo. Oh my yeah. god, yes, yeah, love it. Locked and, him out and, the edit suite, apparently. Uh, uh, Brian, <laughs> allegedly, Brian De Palma, mate. <laughs> Brian De Palma for Mission Impossible One. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think it's amazing. Like it must be so cool for him to like being able to work with all those different people that when he was growing up were probably seemed very far away but here we go um so what are we on to we are on to number two two you number two one, john two, what is three, it four five no why am i confused then oh john can't count to five. I can't count what's to going five. on mate oh it's fine i've got it i think we talked about this the other week especially impossible fallouts this was a real tough pick for me for uh, my top two but i've gone for fallout I think yeah. Fallout genuinely was, until I'd seen Maverick, probably one of the best action films I've seen in a long time. Because it's just like a relentless chase. The last 30 minutes of that film is just bang, 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 bang. Piece after set piece after set piece after set piece. Music's brilliant. It's Lorne Balfe, who's the guy, the composer, who is a protege of Hans Zimmer and uh, does a very similar style of music. And again, we get that team up again for the Top Gun Maverick. Uh, but yeah, just absolutely love Fallout. I just think there's so many... Uh, great set pieces you've got bike stunts like uh uh you've also got the fight in the bathroom which sounds really rubbish when you say it like oh, that oh man the fight really... no the fight in the bathroom is brilliant it's so good and then yeah i'm trying to think what other what the other set piece there's the um helicopter which is in new zealand um right at the end and like tom cruise is hanging off it it's just got so much going for it but it's not my top one because it's not extra enough but before we get into that what is your number two it's funny, man, because <clears throat> I our, our top two are going to be so different. Oh god, yeah. it's really going to show you that because I'm the action guy, but they're not action. So my number two is Jerry Maguire, not directed by Cameron Crowe. You know what? Have you not? not? Okay, but that's a bit like me uh, saying to you, "Oh, you've not seen Rain Man." It's like, well, I suppose you haven't. Show but... me the money. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's brilliant. So Jerry Maguire, it's it's quite a, it's it's directed by Cameron Crowe, so it's. He is the guy that wrote oh, the Emmy Heckling film. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, 
fast times at Richmond High. The writing's fantastic, and he's basically he's a sports agent, um, and he'll do whatever he can to get the best like contracts for his clients. Um, and then he like kind of has this like realization, like wonders what he's doing, um, and yeah, he ends up losing his job, and obviously that's not a spoiler; it's it's just part of the plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, meets Renee Zellweger, she's in it. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in it. It's just a really good, like it's a, it's quite a feel good film, I think. I'd be like, up for watching more Cruise films because I, 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 there is something about Young Cruise I find a little bit cringe, but you've just got to go with it. Like in Top Gun, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like it's just. Yeah, well, our Top Gun. Well, we can talk we'll, about we'll Top get into Gun that. a bit because that is like. But yeah. also in Eyes Wide Shut, like, yeah, I mean, we've done a whole episode on Eyes Wide Shut, so you can. That's not a spoiler. You can go back into that. But that film was just weird. Do you remember how weird that film was? I found it. Was... I found it like quite scary, even though it's not a scary film. It was just really unsettling, like yeah, the yeah. piano and everything. But anyway, sorry, going off on a tangent about Tom Cruise himself. Um, so I'm guessing Eyes Wide Shut is definitely your number one then. Nope. Okay, I was joking. Oh, Um, right, okay. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. Um, my numero uno is don't say, don't say. Can I, can I guess? Uh, yeah, is it Mission Impossible 2? Of course, it is because God's sake, Mission Impossible 2 is the film I've rewatched the most. Mission Impossible 2 (laughs) was was mentioned in my best man speech, was it not? As in, literally, like at my wedding, it was mentioned as like a key event. So, there you go. Yeah, Mission yeah. Impossible 2 for me is a film that, again, I've said this a million times, it came out in 2000, I've, I watched it when I was too young to watch it, thought it was the best thing ever, and nothing will kind of change my opinion on that. I still think it has some amazing action. It's John Woo, you've got doves flying around, you've got Tom Cruise doing double kicks. I've been able to go to the locations uh, when we were over in Australia, which I loved, and, you know, Tom Cruise on a motorbike, he knows how to ride a motorbike, right? And that that sequence, that whole again, another film with the last 10, 15 minute chase from the um the shootout in a base, leaving the base, bike chase, then onto a fight on the beach where he has a knife like millimeters away from his eye. It's crazy. That's, yeah, it's that's so the... good. It's oh, I'm so sorry everyone, but I just I can't get over for for years. That's the kind of film that I can just chuck on and it just flows and just goes it's not the best plot. I need to. I want to watch acting. it again. I've not seen Mate, it. Mate, come and watch while. it. Mine. We'll watch it. That is such a classic. Come round. We'll get a takeaway. Have a beer, and it will be absolutely amazing. It's just that kind of film. I, lo- I absolutely adore it. And uh, I know I just, it's not I love his best film, but yeah. Come yeah. round. Have a takeaway. Have a beer, and it will be absolutely amazing. I love the fact that's that you. It. That's how you view my company. Um, <laughs> is, is this is the one? Mission Impossible Two um, is the one with the Limp Biscuit. Take a look around. Oh yeah. It's the yeah, great intro. Sick. That was one of the first ever cassette tapes I bought. So I bought the Ooh. real Slim Shady. Yeah. Um, and I bought uh, that Limp Biscuit, and that's what that's when I started getting into metal and new metal. Um, and it was that's the one at right at the end. Spoilers for a film made in the year two thousand. Two thousand. Um, also, um, that's the one where the the needle. It is the is it the is the is it the blade of some kind? Is it from a an air, aircraft or something? It's like right close to his face, his chin. Yeah, and I think it was yeah, on a wire wicked. in real life That's to make sure it didn't hit him in the eye, but I think it did scratch his retina or something. There's some mad Tom Cruise story to it, but I just... Oh, it's one of those films that... I was talking to Kate about this, like the John Woo energy from like Face Off, you've got all that kind of vibe going on, but it's just like Tom Cruise brings the intensity and he's got a really dramatic relationship with Naya, who is played by... Oh, that's going to really annoy me now. Uh... Well, what do you think? Do you know what? I think the funniest part about Sorry. all that is that it, it, it goes from... It used to be... Um, 
Kate, friend of the pod, to just Kate now. Like oh, everyone, well, <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone knows. So like, no, casual. it's just hilarious. So it's casual. hilarious. But anyway, um, um, yeah, no, I don't need to go into it. I just love Mission Impossible too, and that's why. And if you ask me, like, what films have I rewatched the most in my life? Mission Impossible 2 and Aliens are probably about joint. Star Wars would be way past it. Empire would be way past it. Return of the Jedi, way past it. Probably the same for Phantom Menace. But MI2 is like top, top range. Yeah. Anyway, what is your number one? So um, my number one is a film that you probably haven't seen, actually. Uh-oh. And that I would quote as, and many people would quote as actually Tom Cruise's best performance um, any idea what film I might be talking about? Uh, but it's not Rain Man. So um, is it the it's classic Night and Day with Cameron Diaz when he keeps like <laughs> knocking her out like every 15 minutes? No, it's no? Magnolia. Magnolia oh, from no, 1999. No, yeah, directed by Tall, Pom- Paul, Tall? Tall Thomas Panderson. Um, Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson. Not P- Not Paul Thomas Anderson of... Um, Alien vs. Predator. Alien vs. Predator. Paul Anderson. I always get them confused. Yeah, I always do yeah. that. I'm the worst. Well, one of them's a really good director and the other one's... Exactly. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm joking. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, Magnolia, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend Magnolia. Um, Tom Cruise plays this character where... So, basically, it's an intertwining of, like, five or six different stories... And it's how they all eventually like intertwine and meet, like separate people, but they all intertwine and meet. Like Love Actually. And it's not on, even on the same level as Love <laughs> but it's Actually, true. which that is, is not a story that good. where there's lots of separate stories and they intertwine. But anyway, continue. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks. Um, it's got, uh, yeah, so basically Tom Cruise plays this character where he's like a motivational speaker, but he's like a really like misogynistic character and he's he's like i can't even repeat anything he says on the pod uh because it's like we would be we would be getting like I'll, I'll i'll tell you after um <laughs> but yeah he's it's like super misogynistic and it's like you know those you know those like uh when when like men like want to know how to get women and it's basically just like these self-help books and he this mm. is one of those guys that writes books like that and it's like basically just how to manipulate women etc etc it's ridiculous but it's he is his character is incredible um almost as good as his character in uh tropic thunder which i also think is hilarious so yeah um try out magnolia uh from paul thomas anderson try out any paul thomas anderson films he's he's extremely consistent director yeah i mean look i'm up for more tom cruise that's all i'm gonna say i i yeah i think you know what you're getting and people are saying that why has he been on such an action binge in like the past Tennis years and I think it's because he knows that you can only do that to a certain point and he is defying his age like I told you yesterday he's 59 and you couldn't believe it so when he was filming Maverick he would have been at least 57 I'm guessing so I don't know how like how he looks that like good. he looks because yeah. he looks younger than me like <laughs> I won't go that far mate but yeah he looks very good for his age um but yeah I think maybe we just stop dilly daddling around like we've got to talk about it so normally we talk about film one and film two these films are so intertwined they're almost like one long film in my head now and like i see it as like one do you know what i mean by that it feels like a one big event 100 percent. yeah yeah um yeah let's talk about top gun and top gun maverick here we go in three two one (laughs) 
What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? So, just really quickly, um, there are going to be spoilers in this episode, i.e. why it's a spoiler cast for both films, because funnily enough, they're very, very linked. And, um, and if you do, by the way, if you do switch off now... Well, you won't hear this, but um, you really do need to watch Top Gun before you see Top Gun Maverick. I really, really, really need to do that. Top Gun Maverick can be watched as a standalone, but it won't have the emotional impact that you will get from it if exactly. you watch Top Gun 1. So I was quite pleased because a um, bit of background. Jamie had never seen Top Gun. He literally messaged me last week. He's like, I've never seen it. And I was like, I think you'll like it. It's 80s and people might complain at this comparison but it's kind of got the dirty dancing soundtrack of like bangers from the 80s and like but intercut with a really cool action nowhere film. near as i know yeah yeah, yeah. Do you know nowhere I mean? near as good as dirty dancing but yeah. but it's, it's got all the elements of something i think you would enjoy it's got cheesy elements it's got some pretty good actions like well it was great action back in the day it's just oh, because fantastic the new one's insane. yeah um and yeah so i thought you'd be up for it We'll get into well, you can tell me what you thought about it, but also like Harriet hadn't watched it, so we watched it together for the first time. She loved it, so it's been really nice introducing people to Top Gun for the first time, um, with the new one coming out. Um, but yeah, um, Top Gun one was from nineteen eighty six. In my eyes, I think it's the first one one top when Tom Cruise became massive. Is that your bearing on it as well, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably when he was really put on the map. He was doing um, stuff like just before this. I'm sure he would, his first few films, stuff like Risky Business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe it was for, like before he did uh, one of his early, like just the year before with Ridley Scott. He did Legend. Uh, have you seen yeah. that, John? I thought you might. Have, I've not seen, have seen Legend, but I believe it is on Disney because. I, yeah, you, you. I think you. Yeah. You might like it. And you might not. Mm, I don't really know. Um, sure. I, I, he did. He did all the right moves as well in '83. Um, and had he done Cocktail by this point, or is it just? I think Cocktail was quite a little bit after. Uh, no, it was '88. Top Gun '88, and Cocktail was '88. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, like he 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 was sort of establishing himself. Uh, I I feel like Tom Cruise has had a similar trajectory to um leonardo dicaprio yeah so he yeah more what well in terms of the breadth of actor uh, directors he's worked with as well into yeah so in terms <laughs> of like the how you look at dicaprio and he some of his i mean some of his first films were absolutely huge but he did stuff like the basketball diaries yeah. um and then he obviously the the first real big film that you might uh, think of dicaprio is titanic titanic or romeo and juliet Romeo and Juliet kind of got big, but I don't think it was expected to be big. Well, Titanic, I think from the off, like it took us two studios to fund that film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everyone yeah, yeah. knew it was gonna be massive. Like it was crazy. Again, yeah, since James insanity. Cameron pushing the boundaries of what was possible with filmmaking, by the way, much as Mr. Cruz is now. Um, so yeah, so sorry. Back on to Top Gun. Top Gun was nineteen eighty six, and basically, it's a very very simple plot. It's almost like a slice like a slice of life film isn't it like not a lot essentially happens you basically follow a mission where you see some uh u.s pilots and the main character is tom cruise who plays maverick pete maverick uh maverick's his call sign not his second name funnily enough and then you've got um his co-pilot which is goose goose oh sorry goose uh 
is his friend, etc. And they basically are on a mission and they are supposed to stay, always stay with your wingman. So you have two planes flying in, in um, tandem. And basically Maverick, fully enough with the call sign, does what he wants and he thinks he can get away and, and break away. So he doesn't support his wingman and his wingman basically has a mental breakdown as he's up in the plane because he's been spooked because he's been targeted by an enemy plane and it throws him off completely and he loses his head. And essentially, he was the OG, like the best fighter, the fighter pilot prior to this event. But because of like this event, that pilot then leaves the Navy, which means that Top Gun, uh, that um, essentially... Tom Cruise's character Maverick is then the number one pilot and then he's offered the opportunity to go to Top Gun. Top Gun is a real place, like it's a real thing. It's like the best of the best. And essentially it's a series of training exercises which people do and they complete to uh, become like the, the the Top Gun. Pretty much us, isn't it? In terms of podcasting, we're Top Gun, aren't we? I think we're quite far away from Top Gun, mate, unfortunately. But there we go. Um, yeah, Top Gun <laughs> essentially is... That's what it is. And then dramatic things happen throughout the film. So Maverick being Maverick doesn't follow the rules. He he constantly almost gets them kicked out of the competition. And Goose kind of says to him, come on, I need you to straighten up and just follow the rules a bit more so we can actually win this thing. And he has a rivalry with a character called Ice, Iceman, which is played, who's played by Val Kilmer. And yeah. Val, like Van Kil- Val Kilmer is obviously top dog because... He when he does the challenges, he follows the rules and he he constantly niggles away at um, Tom Cruise's character Mavericks. He says, you know, like you're dangerous and not in the good way. Like you're dangerous because we don't know what the hell you're gonna do. You got all the ability, but you're a wild card essentially. And all this changes because we have some great scenes with um, Goose's family, his co-pilot's family, which is always a danger sign when something like that happens. And you meet his son and his wife. And Meg see, Ryan, played by Meg Ryan, played by Meg Ryan. And basically, Maverick hasn't got a family and he hasn't really got any connection until he falls in love with it with one of his instructors at Top Gun, classic. And essentially... Played by Kelly McGillis. And when when um, Goose's wife meets her, they have like a night out and it establishes all these relationships and how they get on. And uh, Meg Ryan's character basically says, you know, he doesn't normally fall for people. It's great he's fallen for you. It's kind of setting up for a fall. And unfortunately, after that, we see the next training exercise where Iceman's supposed to take a shot in... <laughs> Iceman. It's a, you know, Iceman. Iceman. Sorry. I, Iceman, Iceman. Iceman takes a shot. Well, he's, he's supposed to... He's in... They're on a training exercise. There's a, there's a bogey in front of him and he doesn't take the shot. And essentially, he pulls up. And when he pulls up, there's a jet stream and uh, Maverick flies into the jet stream and he can't avoid it. And when he does this, the plane's in an uncontrollable uh, dive down. And essentially, they need to escape. They need to eject out of the plane. He goes to eject out of the plane. And his co-pilot, it's really brutal, he ejects, but he hits the canopy. He, he The canopy isn't clear when he ejects, so he dies on impact of hitting the canopy. And Tom Cruise feels guilty and responsible for his death, which yeah. leads to his changing character. So can I just tell you something? Mm-hmm. If that actually happened, so for example, if the canopy jammed in real life, mm-hmm. there are little spikes on on the helmet that would actually go through the canopy. And Goose is fine, so Goose is fine. Oh. So actually, like in a, in that situation, in, Don't in the break air, it for me. 
Well, I'm, I'm just listen. I'm just saying, goose is fine. So, in actual fact, goose you can, you is can calm down. Fine. Goose However, probably, yeah, the yeah. film Maverick would never have been made if Goose was fine because <laughs> it's like the crux of the entire film. Exactly. Anyway. So, so, so Goose is dead. Okay. Yeah. So, so Goose dies, and essentially after that, Maverick learns that he he's not responsible for it, but he le- he takes the advice that Goose gave him before he died, which is you need to keep you need you need to trust your ability but you also need to stay with your wingman is the basic rule is just like be be a team player but also n- trusting your ability to do the right thing essentially and at the end of the film there is a a big fight sequence where they're attacked by enemy migs and he's dog up in, fight dog fight in the air and he's up there with Val Kilmer and Val Kilmer's like he shouldn't be coming out with us he's he's lost his confidence since goose died we don't think this is a good idea we need to get him out and his uh his instructor says no keep him up there like he'll he'll sort it out and off they go on this mission and then essentially maverick saves the day does he not by actually just being maverick and and he follows his wingman and does what he's supposed to do and actually covers and supports them but also does amazing flying to be able to overcome the issue of of goose's death um but yeah, that's basically, that's a very probably long-winded explanation of what Top Gun 1 is, which leads to Maverick, which is years later, Tom Cruise's character, Pete, is now 59, I'm guessing, if it's actually following his age of what he was at the time, 57. So it's 30, yeah, so Maverick's 30 years after service. So he's probably supposed to be 50 in the film. I mean, I know Tom Cruise is older, but he's probably supposed to be 50-ish, maybe, or... But anyway, yeah, you, you would, yeah, you would, you would imagine so. And essentially, Goose's son has grown up to be in the in the Royal Navy too, and he's trying to be a pilot. And basically, uh, the main plot point of the film is Mavericks made sure that he couldn't go into his Navy course immediately because he didn't think he was ready. He didn't want him to have the same fate his dad had, so he's yeah. trying to protect him, and it creates a barrier between them. Pushed his career back four years. So, sorry, I've done a lot of talking. Do you want to do the synopsis for Maverick, actually, rather than me going on a long rambly rant? Do you know what? Who cares about the synopsis, really? Because it doesn't really matter because the characterization is that good that you really don't care about the it plot. Is. But I'm going to tell you anyway. So, it is 30 years after service. Um, so, basically, uh, Tom Cruise's character, Maverick dodges the advancement in rank that would ground him so basically he should be an admiral go, shouldn't he like yeah he... you you don't you don't have to fly anymore because you're an admiral well mm-hmm. done like no more danger obviously maverick doesn't want that so he's kind of avoided it and he he, he doesn't want to be grounded um so he finds himself uh training at, like some kind of offshoot of top gun um and then he gets brought back in by uh what's his name he's in westworld He's brilliant. Ed Harris. Yeah, there we go. Ed Harris um, sort of sends him back to back to Top Gun because Val Kilmer, um, Iceman, um, wants him back um, at Top Gun. And he's he's the Admiral, isn't he? At some... He is. And, and the, the best thing this film does is in the first Top Gun, there's not really a point to the... It's to, like, achieve the Top Gun status, but there's not really a clear through line in the film. And what this film achieves is it says... There's this impossible mission, excuse the pun, and we need to do basically. It's like the Death Star trench run. We need to achieve this. It is. It really is. In, yeah. In and it and it, you have to at a certain altitude, which is too dangerous. You have to at a certain speed, which is too dangerous. And we don't think it can be done. And they say, oh, it should be done in four minutes. And 
Maverick's like, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done in two and a half minutes for the pilots to actually survive. And essentially, he trains the students at Top Gun to be able to complete that task. And the film is about him showing, don't just believe that you are the best in the world. Like, you've got to trust in your ability. But on the flip side of that, don't think, just do. So it's like, trust your... It's a bit like, use the force, Luke. Trust your feelings, trust your reactions. But, you know... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's basically a Star Wars film. Um, in the best because they're, way. <laughs> yeah, they're doing they're doing this Death Star run, yeah, and he's telling them to use the Force, so it's basically a Star Wars film. It's probably the be- It would be the best Star Wars film ever made. It's important. So I was about to say, it's important to note though that um, aside of this, I really like Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. And Jamie's thinking, what the hell is the link between these two films? When the first Star Trek film came out, the cast and crew had aged by ten years but they made a point in the film of not addressing it. William Shatner tried to lose weight to look exactly the same. He tried. They put smeary um, wa- um, Vaseline on the lenses to make them look younger. All the tricks of the trade. When yeah. they made The Wrath of Khan, it was only three years later, but the whole storyline was about the fact they had aged, and it was about looking back on their lives, decisions they've made, and mistakes. So an old character came out of the woodwork as a bad guy, and it was a mistake Kirk had made years before. Top Gun Maverick takes this pretense and does exactly that. So it says, okay, what are the mistakes Maverick's made? He has isolated himself his entire life because he stayed as a captain when everyone else has advanced up in the ranks and had the safer lifestyle. They've had a family, they've married, and Goose had that, and then he lost that. He lost that because Goose died. And Maverick has kind of stayed still. And he's been told that you're an old, you know, you're an ancient dinosaur in a world where drones are coming and like we don't need pilots anymore. And he's there to say, drones are coming, but they're not here now. There's a place for someone like me. And that's what he proves throughout the film. And it addresses his age a lot. Like all the young people at Top Gun think they call him grandpa, old man, etc. But also in the first film, we always hear this relationship about him um, having a, a fling with an admiral's daughter. And in this film, we meet the admiral's daughter who's set up a bar. Well, it's the bar from the first film, but she's now taken over it. Penny, played played by by Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Yep. And essentially the film is about Maverick realising that actually he needs something to fight, someone to fight for, someone to come back to. And he rekindles that relationship and that's what makes him happy by the end of the film to leave everything behind, essentially. But the key, the other key part of this is the mistake he's made in his life isn't just about his relationships. It's, well, I suppose it's another form of relationship, which is Goose's son, call sign. What's his call sign in the film? I've actually forgotten it. Rooster. Rooster. He's played by Miles Teller. He's got a delightfully he brilliant in this delightful film. voice as well. Yeah, it's so good. He's got such a nice voice, hasn't it? He has. He has to tell me stories. And yeah, essentially, he has a really fractured relationship with Maverick because he knows he held him back and stopped him from joining. Uh, a, a, as a naval pilot, naval aviator, when he wanted to join up, but it's obviously his Maverick was protecting him because uh, he promised Ro- Rooster's daughter, uh, Rooster's mother said, "Promise me you won't let him in, won't let him fly." So he, so obviously Maverick, Pete Maverick's got this really difficult decision about what he does. Sorry, that feels like a hell of a long lot of explanation of what these films are. That is the crux of it. I would like to talk about kind of how these films are made because that's what really interests me. Are we up for going on that route first or do you want to go there later? 
Let's go for it, mate. Let's go for it. I'm, yeah. So we'll talk about uh, how they were made. So, so let's yeah, go was... 86 first and compare to um, modern day. So what's been done differently? So in 1986, when they filmed Top Gun, they had uh, the pi- They had the actors in the real planes with the pilots piloting, and then they'd have like a film camera in the cockpit to film the reactions. But they go away and they fly for like an hour and then get back and they wouldn't be able to see the footage immediately because obviously no digital, etc., etc. So yeah. they'd be told when your plane's inverted, you need to have this reaction and you need to say this line, you need to do this and do that. And they wouldn't know if it was good or not till they got back. And before this, they did a massive boot camp where they had to learn how to escape from uh, the plane if it crashed in terms of into the sea, how to eject out. And then they had to learn how to breathe underwater for long periods of time in case they were stuck underneath the parachute and they couldn't get away. So it's a full on like military training experience. Like it wasn't it wasn't messing around for the new film. They've had the same thing again, which is they take the actors and to get them used to the experience, they flew in like um, propeller planes first, then a jet plane, then this then that. And they built them up, three months, built them up. And it was getting used to cruise. yeah, Yeah, get them used to pulling the G's in the plane which is basically when gravity um increases essentially because of like the way you're you're pulling or turning away and when you do that it's the weight increases of like the feeling you have so he describes it in the film as like an elephant sitting on your lungs when you pull a certain amount of g's which they the actors have done they actually described that feeling really well didn't they so like the the one thing that i i did really enjoy is that no matter what you know about nothing because if you don't know nothing about these planes, you don't know nothing about what a G is. Um, I, the closest anyone's probably got to G-force is when you're on a roller coaster. Yeah. Or when you're in the waltzes, that kind of thing. But the way it's described in, particularly in Top Gun Maverick, is really good. And it can sort of, it can draw any casual person in. Yeah. And you, the one thing I love the most, like you're talking about the action and stuff. The one thing I love the most is that the it's really well done like how you can you can understand exactly what's going on all of the time and that in in a film like this if that's done badly or if it's edited poorly you'd have no idea what was really going on like you, you see like hand-to-hand combat that i think is more confusing than than people flying planes it's, it's amazing really so i would say one of the questions on the pod i think we should bring up now which is what does um, it was the question about what the original does well and what the new one does better so have you got that to hand so I can read the proper wording and do it as full justice? Yeah, so Views by Quinn writes in and he says, what does Top Gun Maverick do better than its predecessor and vice versa? So I um, believe that due to the limitations in technology at the time, I think at points Top Gun 1 can be quite hard to follow in the aerial combat because it's hard to link the pieces together. I think it's amazing for the time, but I would say at points it's not as clear cut as it is in the new film that would be one thing but i think a lot of that's technical limitation and the other thing i think that top gun maverick does really well is there's far more character development and the way it was described to me was goose's death is felt far more in maverick than it is actually in top gun oh God. it's seeped away 100%. at him for like 30 years and it's still having its consequences and i think that's a great I don't know. I just think it's a great, think, great thing yeah. it's improved on. We described it as the difference between Terminator One and Two, though, as well, which is like Terminator One is a brilliant film, but it's like how could I do this better with more budget? And essentially, Terminator Two is 
pretty much the same film with a bigger budget and done better and i kind of feel like top gun maverick is also that it's like with the best cameras and the best technology that tom cruise wanted to set out to make the best aviation film ever made and my god he did it like no questions asked yeah there. um yeah i mean yeah for, so for me the the i would i would say first first of all i didn't when i worked when i watched top gun for the first time literally last week which is bizarre for me because i love the 80s I was surprised at just how cheesy and cringe Top Gun is. So I mean that in the nicest way. It's like a B-movie, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. A B-movie made for $15 million, which I would imagine is quite a lot of money back then. Um, So it was made for a budget of $15 million, and it grossed $357 million, which is incredible. I think that the dialogue is cheesy. I think that... Uh, the one thing, like the the main thing that is done better, like the the action, I think is comparative. So, obviously, Maverick is better. The action is better, but it's be- I would say it's because of technological limitations. So, I would yep. say uh, I would say um it's on par if you consider what was available at the, the time. era. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's fair. I would I would I would consider it's on par. So, but what I would say is that really the t- a Top Gun Top Gun is very. It, it's pretty so i i watched a, a documentary with um a navy aviator a naval aviator or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. and they were saying that like top gun to this day still is the best commercial for joining the navy ever uh, they say so, this but i just feel like no they... listen honestly they oh, they said oh. that there's oh, since just before maverick come out numbers had finally started to drop for people entering um the navy and so they were saying that like it's one of the the best pieces of propaganda like advertising yeah well propaganda, propaganda yeah, I guess. essentially yeah yeah one of the uh, yeah because it is proper like bro down isn't it like i would say that like top gun's far more like broy and um that kind of thing compared to top gun maverick i would say the character's the characterization in Top Gun Maverick is far, far superior. But I think love, also that the suits the tone of like, okay, so you know when everything gets Dark Knightified or like, you know, so Dark Knight, uh, sorry, uh, Batman Begins came out and everything had to be a darker, edgier version, such as Amazing Spider-Man, such as Casino Royale, such as the Bourne films. This essentially really good point. has 80s, a bit of that really too, which point. is you take a, a branded thing and it's like, how can we make this more relevant? It needs to be a bit more moody. It needs to be a bit more, but there's, there's comedy. There's still comedy in Top Gun Maverick, but it's kind of like situational yeah. stuff rather than ha ha or God, that's crazy. Do you know what? That's a really, really good point. So like the, the eighties, like Top Gun is eighties. So it is, mm-hmm. it is very sort of like campy in places. Um, and I would, yeah, I, I would say that even even the romance, like the one thing Tom Cruise doesn't do well is sex scenes. Oh, so <laughs> because so we need um, to discuss this. Please help me. So essentially, in Top Gun One, the romance is with the um, Kelly McGillis. Kelly, yeah, and and she's the instructor at Top Gun, and their relationship. I don't think there's actually a lot of chemistry there, to be honest. They didn't get on in real life as well, apparently. And also, because of the height difference, he told her she had to slouch in every every point she's in the film. So when you watch that film now, I can only ever see her slouching because she's quite tall. 
um, and it always entertains me. But I think the relationship with Penny is far greater. I think they did a really good job at adding substance to a character we've just met who has less screen time. Less, yeah, but it's less got scenes, more yeah. of a relationship. And I'm just like, how have they managed to do that? But it's funny because Top Gun's notorious having this really bad sex scene, which is it cuts to like a blue it's kiss it's the it's blue music kiss. video and he's basically like licking her tongue and he looks a bit like a lizard but what's crazy is in the new top gun there's a scene where he starts kissing jennifer Connolly. you're like is it is, uh, yeah 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 that was probably the most are, tense part of the film are they going to do this and then uh jamie's uh partner described it as like a dfs advert because it actually just cuts to the afterwards where they're just like happily like chatting in bed <laughs> and it was just yeah, like uh, you just, felt quite relieved the, that we didn't have i'll tell you what anymore. thank god yeah thank god i didn't watch top gun at 15 and thought that that was how you kiss that was girls normal. because yeah because whoever whoever my first kiss was with would have got a bit of a surprise <laughs> but because yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll be like, what's 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 the problem? Tom Cruise does it in Top Gun. You're not seeing that. But um, also, I think I think he has sorry. better chemistry with Val Kilmer. Yeah. Well, do you know what though? There are people who say there is an argument for the love the love relationship in Top Gun is between him and Goose because of their relationship. And like, I'm not talking about it's essentially like love in that kind of relationship, but maybe like the fact they are best friends. They're past the point of. Do you know what I mean? They are their lives are in each other's hands all the time so it's like a very different i don't know do you know what i'm trying to say it's like a bromance yeah, on like no, next level bromance yeah. i mean i'm i'm feeling it right now mate every single time we pod together every time <laughs> i feel it every single time i know exactly do i take your breath feel. away every single time worst music choice ever um, and, and that's another thing we need to talk about i think the music's better this time round, but the needle drops in the first top gun are absolutely stand out so highway to the danger zone um all that stuff but the ballad in Kenny the Lyons. film do 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 Terrible. do 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 and it's like the worst keyboard ever because you know 80s and when we were watching it for the first time like you can't help but laugh every time there's like a scene between tom cruise and kelly they just like then like kick it in and it is pure cheese and i think I read somewhere that that plot point was added later. It was initially just this naval action film, and they were like, "Oh, we need to kind of add some more drama. Like, how do we kind of extend it out?" And now and I've it kind, heard it kind that, of shows, really. I think I can, I can kind of believe it. But anyway, um, yeah. So, what did Top Gun Maverick do better? Characterization, pretty much everything. Pretty much score, everything. And the way it was shot, to be honest. But going back to the way it was shot. They can now fit. I found this incredible. I've seen this, yeah. Six IMAX quality cameras now fit into the cockpit of these planes. One, that's insane. But number two, um, the actors now controlled when they recorded the takes. And do you yeah. see about Miles Teller? So I've seen about the... No, go on, you, you go. He he uh, basically forgot to hit record. And yes, they went yeah. off for an hour, didn't realise yeah. till he got back. Or either that, sorry, or he recorded over a take, so he double-clicked on a... As a videographer, my worst nightmare is having not clicked record, and you'd be amazed how easy it actually is to set everything up, get it all pinned sharp and in focus, and not hit the button. There's nothing worse. Yeah, I think I think it's... um I think it's crazy. Like, uh, some of, so some of the actors were saying that they would have their lines on on their like leg, so like taped to their leg, because when they would be when they would be film like when they would be filming in the in the cockpit. they were actually go so they were at, so yeah we haven't said that they were in the cockpit they were actually going up in the air being flown around so sorry we said that for the original but yeah for the for the new film exactly for the new the film same. yeah exactly yeah. the same um, Tom Cruise created a three month program 
um, for them to train. Um, so yeah, they, they, they would have to do this three month program to train. They would, they would be flown up in the air for literally one and a half to two hours at a time. Um, and then they would be sort of acting and they would be recording their own camp that recording their own scenes. And you wouldn't know, they wouldn't know until they got down kind of like, basically the director, um, Cause was like, yeah, yeah, crack. Um, yeah, crack on. Like I'll, 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 I guess I'll go and have a cup of tea and, they, they'll come back down in two hours. He's got no idea what they're doing. He said, he said, he said that was difficult because he couldn't kind of direct them because they no. were up there doing it, doing their own thing. And so uh, one, the, the commitment to the craft is just level. unseen. Like this is, I will, I tell you what, I walked out of this and I was, I've not been this excited after watching a film in a very, very long time. Like nothing has made me feel like this in such a long time. The one I compared it to for me, and you guys know that I have a massive affiliation with the Bond series. I read all, like a lot, well, not all, but a lot of the books. And I thought No Time to Die and this had a lot in common. Someone compared Maverick to Skyfall. They're kind of, you're too old, we don't need you anymore. But then actually when it boils down to it, that you do need the old guard to come in and teach the new, the old dog new tricks and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it has kind of got that vibe and oh, I suppose we can't do spoilers for No Time to Die but you, at points in this film you felt no, you like can't. no okay it felt like they were going to mirror plot points from that and I'm very glad they did not so yeah I think probably um, the other thing this film did really well we've briefly touched about like needle drops in the film but also they basically kept the Top Gun theme they kept the synthesized feel and made it so it was all recognizable but it was modern it was like do you know what i mean i thought that was yeah. quite cleverly done as well i think the one thing that i was worried about and you said this to me um when we walked out the cinema was that i thought it was at the beginning i thought it was going to be force awakens territory where it was pretty much going to be a retread of top gun because it started exactly yeah. the same there were some story beats that were exactly the same but i must say two hours ten minutes absolutely perfectly fine acceptable i'll that I, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Did not need any more. Um, and I didn't find the the homage to the first one. I didn't find it over the top. So the difference is with this film, someone described it as you you get that opening sequence, which is very similar. When they play Danger Zone, I turned to you and I was like, this oh, is so sick. But then it then it kind of fades off and then you see Tom Cruise working on his old his old plane on his own. Yeah. And it's a yeah. bit like okay interesting like it's kind of like here's what you remember this is where he's actually at this is him now working on it he's alone he's isolated bad times but he's still a test pilot and he goes to test out this amazing new craft by the way i thought that was all fake and not real like that even that was right that man playing at the start which is like a stealth bomber kind of i don't think it's a bomber but it's like a stealth plane kind of looks like something out of a sci-fi film which is why i didn't believe it was real but there we go um yeah and essentially um, what was I trying to say? Don't know. Last one I tried to thought, but there we go. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. So um, there was. Uh, do you know that? So the call signs, for example. Um, do you know in mm. real? So in real life, um, generally, they no, you don't get to choose your own call sign. I can believe that. It's like so you, you get given uh, pretty much a call sign that would be like something to take the mick out of you. So if, for example, if if you were given a cool call sign, it's probably because you weren't very cool. Um, and th- what they would do is that your the the admirals or whatever, like whoever the instructors are or whoever yeah. the, the bosses are of Top Gun, um, or or 
naval aviation would would sort of write on a whiteboard like uh, a few different names yeah and then they would choose a name i love the fact that in this film there's a guy just called bob i just think that's brilliant oh yeah it's fantastic and then a um, joke, baby on board baby on board oh, so yeah, what yeah, does bob yeah, stand yeah. for yeah. baby on board yeah. yeah sorry go on well silver screen critiques writes in and he says um what would your guy's call sign be so, John, have you had a chance to think about what your call sign would be? It's very, very easy. I used to run around calling myself Hype. And I mean, if you, you, you've known oh. me for long enough, <laughs> he's cringing so hard. Did you, did you actually, like, actually, is that, it, that was you that made that up? No, I don't believe I made it. I think it started as a joke because someone said it was like a puppy. I was like a Johnny. puppy like just buzzing all the time and then hype. the joke was i was called johnny b and i think someone used to say jb hype as a joke and then it became like a thing and i wouldn't your call signs gotta be shorter but i think hype would be like yeah you know who that is if there was a I list already, of our I friends already, yeah, if there's a list of our you. friends and a call sign you'd be like hype and you wouldn't disagree i already hate you that's fine um what would yours be uh well apparently mine would be uh my call sign would be undead so because um, it was because of when I first went to Download Festival and got into a band called Hollywood Undead. They oh, were kind yeah. Of like, they were kind of like rap rock um, and they would all wear masks and stuff. They were like they were like a rap version of Slipknot, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was where that came from, like Undead. So, yeah, maybe that or something like Red Fox or something because Ginger it's too, or whatever. It's too long. It's got to be like one syllable, hasn't it? Uh, Hangman. Actually, is, no, Maverick's uh, not. Iceman. Maverick. Ignore that completely. Ignore that completely. There you go, then. There you go. So, yeah, so we've got some... I mean, John's call sign's quite... Hype. Infuriating. Hype. Johnny B. Hype. Uh, which no, just, is, hype. Yeah. just hype. Just hype. Just hype. Yep. Okay, great. So, we briefly talked about what the impossible... The impossible? The impossible mission is in this film. Sean Connery in it. <laughs> no, not this time. Um, and essentially the impossible mission is we joked it's the Death Star trench run they're going behind enemy lines they've got to go and run this course in under 2 minutes 30 and midway through the film we get the point where they're saying this isn't possible and, and Maverick's kicked out because he can't teach the kids he's spent so long telling them how impossible it is he's not actually been able to teach them to do it but actually what he's teaching them is to believe in themselves and trust their ability and he can get them home safely. The military just want the mission complete. They don't care if the people come back. Whilst Maverick oh, is John Ham, them. John Ham's character. And, I hate his character. And Maverick is trying to make sure that they can return home. So he's training them the best way he can to make sure that not only do they complete the mission, but they get home. And basically my favourite sequence is he steals a plane to go and prove that it can be done in two and a half minutes. So he's got like a simulator within the plane which shows like a the the map of like what the ter- the terrain would be and he flies the mission now obviously i know there was a pilot behind tom cruise piloting but tom cruise is pulling the g's and it's basically barely cuts away cockpit cam as he's like pulling serious g's he's inverting he's going upside down hard left hard right and it's just honestly he has to hit certain checkpoints at certain times it's a bit like in the f1 if you hit certain sectors you hit your purple sector and you know they're going to make the time and it's like they describe it as the three miracles miracle one you need to get past this bit miracle two you need to get past this bit miracle three you have to get past this bit and then you're away and all you're thinking as an audience is go on 
come on, Maverick, do it, do it, do it. And you just you, you are rooting for him. Like, it's insane. Yeah. It's just like, I've never had that. I've never been so, not never been, but I've not been so invested in someone's personal stakes in such a long time in a film. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite weird because generally a character like Maverick, you would kind of sort of be like a love-hate thing because he's so arrogant. Or, Correct. But, but you really do get on board with everything he's doing. And, and when he's in that, in that aircraft, you would usually call it an aircraft, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. When he's in that aircraft, it, it is like, the, he's like, ugh, ugh, and you hear his like, you hear him grunting and it's, it, I tell you what, if there was nothing on the screen, you'd wonder what the hell was going on. But I really love it. Like it, that, that pit is, it's exhilarating. And even a bit at the start, when in order to get the funding and to stop their, his, his sort of, um, sort of offshoot of Top Gun being cancelled um, or getting the funding taken away. He, yeah. They have to go Mac 10. Um, and what Mac 10 is, I think it's like, is it? A th- in fact, I don't know, so I'm not even going to guess. Than, it's faster than the speed of sound, isn't it? Am I right? Um, don't know. I, I don't know. But anyway, so... It's fast. We all, it's bloody fast. Yeah, we, we, all we know, right, it's seven... <laughs> God, right, okay. how wrong am I? No, no, it's... Um, 7,000 miles an hour? No, that can't be right. Come on. I doubt Cruz did do that one then. Um, but hey. it's Apparently, it's uh, 10 times the speed of sound. Oh, I was right then, kind of. I'll take that. Yeah, so... Anyway, go on, tell me about it. Basically, he has to hit Mach 10. And he's told, he has to if hit he Mach hit Mach 10, don't push it. Just get it to 10. That's enough to retrieve the funding. Yeah, but what does so, he do? Well, he just has to take it too far. Just so you know, by the way, uh, the top speed we've ever gone is Mach 6.72, and that's 4,520 miles an hour. Um, that is more than five times the speed of sound. Um, so there you go. That was a rocket-powered aircraft that did that. It was developed in the 1960s. Um, so I... Yeah, so basically he has to go Mach 10. So he, he takes it up and he, he kind of um, goes... He goes, Ed Harris is on his way to like take away funding and he literally... They take blasts, off early, don't they? He, yeah, he takes off early, blasts past um, Ed Harris in this like shack. And what the shack, what happens is the roof blows off the shack and that actually wasn't supposed to happen yeah, in the I film. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so they kept it in anyway just because it looked awesome. Cool. And then he is uh, essentially just, there is something really exhilarating and exciting about watching Tom Cruise fly in a straight line and watching this this little yeah. timer it's not a timer but it's like max six max six it's a speedometer it's yeah that's what it is. and he it's yeah. a yeah and he and he he reaches mac 10.10 and then everyone's like oh my god yeah he's done it like and he, and he says he like, says just a little bit more <laughs> and yeah, he like, yeah. starts going and but you kind of still even though he's being not very like he's just he's being arrogant you kind of just like you just love it, don't you? Like, I do. Um, I do and indeed. so yeah, he he takes it to Mac ten point two or three or something, and then yeah, he crashes. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But yeah, he's the proved aircraft, the aircraft couldn't take it. Yeah, he's proved he's proved that it needs to achieve the funding. But anyway, this leads to him going back to Top Gun. We've talked about what the mission is. So we've talked about the way it was filmed, some of the amazing things with the actors and what they were doing when let's go to the mission let's talk about the mission when it all kicks up so this is the end of the film the big the big death star trench run 
your feeling going into it, mine was someone's going to die. Because the obvious thing is someone's going to die or Maverick will sacrifice himself. That for me was... I was almost certain of this. I was almost certain that that they wouldn't get out alive and that maybe like, yeah, like Rooster would die or whatever. He's got to pick his team, hasn't he? That's the most important part. Two levels of drama there. So there's, we haven't even mentioned who's the big hotshot, like the top dog who he doesn't... Hangman. Hangman. So um, quick... Quinn asked about things which like were done better and what was done worse. Much like the first film, the the characterization of the other people in the team is pretty much paper thin. It's like he's the guy with the glasses, he's the guy who has the Hawaiian shirt, she's edgy, you know, and and like most action films have that. Aliens has that at the start when it's like that's the butch one. Oh, it really the, does, like, doesn't it? And, yeah, and, like, you're that's right. That's just yeah. an eighties yeah. action thing. You have to just roll with that. It is it is what it is. But anyway, um, later in the film, Maverick is picking his squad. And when he's picking his... So, actually, yeah. Prior to picking his squad, he's done a series of tests, hasn't he? So, like, in the first film, they do all the challenges. But Maverick being Maverick is, like, he shows them how easily he can shoot them all down. And they're learning how to evade his flight pattern. When they do the mission, they have to evade turrets, don't they? Not turrets, sorry. Um, like, missile launchers. And then yeah, they, they fly, have to they've evade... got to fly below, yeah. Yeah, below and the... then they have to evade the MiGs after that. So, the MiGs are, like, enemy, enemy fighter craft. And essentially... Um, the big drama is who's who's Maverick going to pick in his team because uh, Hangman knows that um, Rooster Rooster's history with Maverick and he tries to use that to his advantage to make sure he doesn't get in the squad, but he does get in the squad or the squad run, I should say. And and really, he can't, you, you you shouldn't, should he? Really, like because he isn't he he, he isn't flying well. He. No. He does worry too much about... He's too precautious, he, isn't he? Won't, so, he won't in the film, it. he goes slower. He's the first person to complete the run, but he does it in a minute and a half slower than he should have done it. And at the start of the run in the final fight, he's going slower than he should go, and he's overthinking it. And then eventually it's like, the enemy planes are coming. If you don't do it at this speed, you won't get out. And then he pushes. And that whole chase lasts like 15 minutes. And it's so like, I hold my breath. Like, genuinely, I'm not the person who says, oh, I held my breath. So like, I genuinely did. It was so good. And uh, <laughs> basically, they have to set a laser target on to the point they're trying to blow up. And then the next plane comes in and does the missile. So they actually achieve this quite well. And the mission happens. And we all thought, when that mission was completed, I don't know about you, I thought, end of film. Like, we're done. Like, they've done it. Like, Star Wars, that's the end bit. No, no. Yeah. This is like, you need to get back. The carrier's like... 10 minutes that way I don't know and we need to go and enemy fighters are scrambled to take them on and we've been told all film that the fighters that aren't the are newer than the American planes therefore they are more maneuverable faster and faster etc yeah. etc et and basically um, there is a dog fight and we see that um, Go- uh, Goose sorry his son Rooster's being Rooster. attacked and basically Maverick sacrifices his plane because uh, uh, Rooster does a really good job. But he just runs out of um, uh, what Flares, they called smoke screens. That kind yeah, of thing. it's it's like the deterrent for missiles where you shoot um, things out the back. I think it's called, isn't it called Chafe? I don't know what it's called. But anyway, but... he does that and Maverick sacrifices his plane to save him. And at this point, I'm thinking... He's dead. They they have done a sacrificial storyline. It's a redemption, though, isn't it? Like you, you do feel like it was definitely redemption because he blames himself for, a little for bit that, death. that Goose dies, even though it genuinely wasn't his fault. And and it's kind of like okay, well, this makes up for that. 
And then Goose's son, Rooster, says, no way, I'm not leaving him, I'm going back. Which is kind of flying by the seat of his pants, which is like Maverick did. And he goes back and he shoots down the plane that shot down Maverick, but then he gets shot down himself and he escapes. So the first thing is like, oh God, is his, is he going to be able to get out of his plane considering how his dad died? And he does. Yeah. And then we see um, Maverick running towards the parachute to go and save him. And they're behind enemy lines. So I don't know if you've ever seen the film Behind Enemy Lines with... Um, oh, I have. He's good, isn't it? I used to love it's that a, film. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, pure 90s or early 2000s, that film. Brilliant film. I used film. to love it. I bet yeah, it's great. It, I love it. It's got some really bad CG in it, though, because it was on um, a VFX artist reacts, one of those that's not aged well. But anyway, um, you're thinking, how are they going to do on the ground? Because they're masters of the air, aren't they? They're not great on the ground. Yeah. And basically, it's teed up earlier in the film. It says that these guys, they also have some, is it F-16s or 18s? Uh, I think it's an F-18, but I'd, listen... We're, listeners we're, we're if not, whatever we get wrong if there's any um plane naval aviation yeah look we're really sorry but we're not we don't know look <laughs> i'm just a casual fan i'm not i think it's guy. an f-18 okay well anyway that's the fi- that of course is what tom cruise flew in the first film so it's it teed, an f-18 and it's teed up that that they're available like there's some at the base so of course how are they going to escape if they've been gunned down tom cruise is going to fly his og f-18 against these super modern planes and try and get away and so good it's really good at building the tension because one this is a bit as you said oh god is this going force awakens like this is getting in the falcon and then the chase and then yeah the, you know exactly. and and, it, and it, to an extent it is but also it's an analogy of the fact that, like about aging we've talked about how it's accepting your position and like aging and dealing with the consequences of the past he realizes that rooster is not goose and he's he's his own person and that's why he chose to not allow Maverick to just sacrifice himself. He sacrificed himself back to then save him, right? And then when the F-18 comes in, they manage to get it up and working. But it's great because Goose is like, oh my God, this is all so old. And it's like basically having a dig at Tom Cruise as much as, do you know what I mean? As much yeah, as yeah, yeah. the plane itself. And then there's this thrilling chase where we're watching this plane defend against planes which are far better maverick's the pilot the whole film talks about it's not about the equipment it's about the pilot so maverick does like amazing piloting throughout and obviously it feels like he's got goose behind him again but obviously not goose it's rooster and there's a point where he's like we need to eject like we can't like we've taken damage where there's no way out of this and the ejection system doesn't work and you're like oh my god this is actually stuck in the plane yeah they're gonna kill both of them because there's no way anything's gonna change and then Hangman, out of nowhere, comes and saves the day. Such a sick moment, down. isn't and, it? And like, it was, it's such a sick and moment. Honestly, it was unexpected because I thought they're going to kill him or they're going to kill both of them or it's going to yeah. be, the, you know. And we... It needed it needed a happy ending, didn't it? Like, it really I, did. Like, I think because I, Top I love, quite cheesy, I love... it, ne- it needed a happy ending. But, like, yeah. I don't think there's anything to be had of walking out of this being like, so Maverick died and Rooster's yeah, also yeah, dead exactly, you know yeah. what I mean like you, what what it, are you taking from that like what's it what's it going to achieve and I think it, yeah. what it was about was coming to terms with the mistakes of your past and accepting aging and by the end of the film he accepts that he is from a bygone era that he's actually a teacher now not a 
not a pilot and he can help these people because he's achieved the impossible mission and got them all back and they've all survived so he's done his job and it's just a a weirdly it's a real feel-good film and it's about how like you could say you know i don't know how far you want to go with this there's a lot you could say about working hard determination trusting your ability and that kind of side of it and it's like don't think just do there's all sorts of like levels you can take from it from that point of view but more importantly it's just again like in wrath of khan it was like kirk had a long lost son and he reconnected with him and then he was taken away from him and it was from a mistake he made in his past while like making an enemy and this film for me is that kind of i'm reconciling with my past much like skyfall bond reconciles with like the history with his parents this is a similar thing it's like how do i fix my broken relationship with kind of my surrogate son which is essentially rooster how do i you know how do i repair my relationship with penny how do i have the family i never had and it sets it's redemption up, isn't it like yeah it sets really up that family is. unit at the end and the other key scene i really should have spoke about and i'm not so far uh we get a scene with Iceman, played by val kilmer and tom cruise now uh, val kilmer obviously had throat cancer in real life and yeah so he can't he can't he, actually talk in real life no so in the film they communicate through text and um uh, on screen it's like a really well done tender moment where it's just the two of them having a conversation via a screen and it's like it's rather than most films now would be like oh we've got enough clips of audio from when he recorded top gun to make him say this dialogue and we'll cgi him younger and all this i'm looking at you mandalorian season two with mark hamill and all that stuff and i don't know anyway it doesn't do that. It accepts it for what it is, which is the here are the actors 30 years later. No BS. This is what they look like. This is what's happened to them. And it incorporates that into the story. And I really it's incredible how they incorporate the, can- like the fact that he has throat cancer. cancer. Yeah. And yeah, they, the, they, yeah. the most touching moment is, by the way, so sorry, everyone to Mavericks died prior to the mission, which is what sets us up to think he's going to end up being a sacrificial lamb because you've got um, Rooster's mum has died previously as well as Goose um and uh then iceman who's like his like not his best friend but like his they are close right they respect each other he's like the last yeah, link yeah, yeah. to the navy he's the one who makes sure he's the one who's kept him at captain every time maverick's about to get booted out iceman said no give him this assignment we'll keep him in like he's what the navy needs so when he dies you kind of think oh god now he's dead what's well, left get, for maverick yeah. but what's left he maverick, gives him that advice doesn't he he says yeah. before he does leave he does say just let go you've got to let go yeah, yeah. just let go yeah. and it's about goose as much as it is about anything and that's what i was saying to you like this film concentrates on the death of goose almost as much as top gun does and uses it in a far greater way and when mm. that relationship's rekindled at the end of the, the end of the film is proper cheese ball really because like he's back with jennifer connelly he's back with penny and i needed it i needed that to be the end of the film like i needed it to be that miles teller's there ending. with his amazing mustache and like he's fixing a plane with with his surrogate dad and just absolutely loving life and and the the kind of faux family unit is together and it's it's happy days and it, and it feels it feels earned and the fact the film is 30 years later it feels so genuinely like it deserves its place and to be there basically yeah 
Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just, yeah. I... I'm glowing over it. I mean, when we <sighs> came out, we were we were genuinely so high over it, weren't we? I, I really want to see it again. I think I'm going to see I need it. to see it in IMAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a banger in IMAX. But yeah, I am, I am going to go and see it again because I think it's there's certain films I think you have to see at the cinema and it's like, oh, you're being one of those people. But it's true, like... That no, you ha- no, you no, no, no. You have to see this in the cinema. There is no other option. And do you know what? I think, oh, like Dune was the last film I really felt like that about. I thought Dune was amazing. You have to see it in the cinema. But Dune, for all intents and purposes, is beautiful and stunning and amazing. It is. It's all kind of fake. This is real planes, people. This is people actually pulling the Gs. There is some CG in this film. It'd be a lie to say there's no CG. It's enhanced yeah, with is, CG. Yeah, yeah, in terms there of, there'll be some cutscenes in between where they've added them. But the bulk of it is actors going up and basically probably feeling very sick pulling Gs over and over. Yeah, and over yeah there, were, there was like three of the six of them were being sick every day. Yeah, and it's kind of like, what what happens now? Like, I think one of the questions we've, we've linked to was, was it about what's, like, how can we push the boundaries more? Is that correct? So Dan writes in and he says, after seeing the films, how much... Do you now want to grow a moustache and buy a pair of aviators? Well, I mean, I've got the aviators already because I bought them in Vegas and they literally say Top Gun on the bottom right. <laughs> so get a life. Um, anyway, <laughs> I and I have the moustache. I'll shave the beard. Um, I have a kind of tash, but it's more it's not a very good tash. It's, it's more, not as it's, it's not beard, as right? pornographic as no, um, not like Miles Teller's <laughs> Miles Teller's tash. Um, but in all seriousness, after the new Top Gun, how do you think this is going to affect action cinema in the way it is filmed and choreographed to reach the level that this film does? I think they'll have to find another platform of something that an actor can sit in and do without having to do it. Because that seems to be the key of why this is so good, isn't it? Because they've shot it practically. I don't know. I, I, I Is it more expensive to do it this way, though? Is it more expensive now to do it practically with CG? I'm no? glad you asked. I'm okay, glad go, you go asked. For it. I don't know. Um, because the budget for this film, and when you say, by the way, and you know what I'm going to compare it to, because I have to compare it to Upgrade. the other huge. No, 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 actually, no. Um, so the the budget for this was 170 million US dollars, right? Okay. Which do you know what doesn't sound that much. Really. Eleven thousand dollars for each time they've took the plane out for an hour is what I read. Wow. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, carry on. So yeah, 170 million US dollars, right now. When I think, I would say this is as big as blockbusters get. Would you agree? Yeah, but what I'd say is when they're not in the planes, it's actually quite small scale. It's a bar and a house. So actually all your money's spent on the, pretty much on the plane stuff. And then the rest of its military base is probably quite set bound and not that that big a deal. But yeah. So Avengers Endgame, 356 million pounds, a million dollars, sorry. So so but that's that's more, also on the actors though. You've got to think more than double. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Cruz has yeah. got the biggest salary, and then everyone else around that's probably not cheap. But they're not like Jennifer Collins probably not charging mass loads. Neither's Miles no. Teller. Neither's any of the other pilots in it. So I think there's a the balance to that. Yeah, but I mean, like even still, right? It's far if, more if visceral you... than any Marvel film I've seen in the past ten years, and that's not me hating on Marvel. But I'd say the same about DC. And do you know what? Any comic book film I've seen, and I love like. Um, Justice League, all that stuff, um, Snyder Cut. Because this is so tangible and because it's like in the cockpit and you're sat there watching it, it feels like you're with them. And of course you're not with them, but because you know a real person's done it, it's just different. It's a different feeling. 
Do you know what's crazy? I love sci-fi and I love fake imagery. Like, you know that. That's my whole bag. So for me to say this about something that's real feels better. It's like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. And people will slate me for this, but I don't care. The last film that I remember being like... this, This film genuinely blew me away. Like, on so many levels, I was not expecting to like it anywhere near as much. I would say this is um, probably one of uh, probably one of the best films I've seen in the last ten years. Like, hands down, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be one of the, one of the films of the decade. Yeah, hundred percent. And I and I'll, I can't wait to see how many awards it wins. Thank you so much for genuinely like waiting until COVID is over to release this in the cinema because yeah. it is. Ma- I was I was in there and I was like, this is magic. This is this is what, what films. About. This is what movies are about. The film that made me that I think compared to this maybe was either Avatar or Gravity or was my one for that. Like for Lord IMAX of the Rings. Oh, okay. Okay. They're, like they're the films that like, I think when I think about Avatar, I'm like, I, I watched that in 3d and that was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Think about, th- think what you want about the plot of Avatar. It's people stunning. like to, people I- like to slate that film now. And I don't know why it's, but it's, it's, it's almost like people, People it's, love it's fashionable to, to hate it. It is, yeah. Genuinely, it's fashionable to hate Avatar, but it's actually a really good film. Also, you, it was um, fashionable to hate Titanic for years, though. It's a James Cameron thing. James Cameron, I think people don't like him because they think he's he, quite arrogant. He made the greatest action film of. And of, I would ever, say, look, I think James Cameron probably is both of those things, but that's what also why he's brilliant. I think certain people. Tom to, Cruise is one of those things. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like to have that level, I think you have to have that streak about you. Otherwise, the, the amount of money they're dealing with day in day out, there's no way you get that no. far by not being savvy. But anyway, that's a different topic. Yeah, Avatar like blew my mind. Like when I seen that in the cinema, I was. I'd never seen anything like it in my entire no. life, and the three D of that film when when you've got the burning leaves, honestly yeah. unbelievable. Can I just say, off topic, but Avatar two, whatever the plot is, I don't really care. The CG now, have you seen the hand on the water when they're pulling the leather back? It's insane. People are saying, people are saying about Avatar, right? Yeah, it's been too long. It's been too long. Guess what? No, it ain't. No, Avatar is the highest grossing film of all time. And they've re-released it how many times? Every so often, yeah. it's like Avatar's back out because yeah, people watch because, it and be like, "Oh, it looks amazing." Yeah, it does, and and it yeah, it, I th- I think this is going to do gangbusters. Like the new Avatar will do gangbusters. It might. Now, well, look at Maverick. People like this is a true thing. They've said for years it's, it's going to do late. a billion. No, 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 it's no, going to do a billion. No, but they kept saying about Maverick. They were like, "It's too late." Like it's too late. The sequel's been done. But do you know what? They've had the best sequel plot ever from it because they've waited long Incredible. enough for, for the yeah. sun to grow up and it actually be better rather than do you actually know what? be. It, like, it is too late. Imagine but if they made it in 1990. But to, uh, the reason they Cruise, tried, you well, know, they tried. But he kept saying, if you can't make it better than the one we've just made, there's no point. And up until now, the technology wasn't available to make it the best way possible. Was now, you can do it. So there we go. We've not even answered the question because we've been going banging on about Avatar. We have. Sorry, Guam. What was it? <laughs> so the question was, um, how is this going to affect action cinema in the way it's filmed and choreographed no, to I... reach the level that this film does? Like, I think I'll I... hit that. I think you'll find another skill set or something you can strap an actor into without having to have them do it. And maybe it's a link back to doing more practical stunts because maybe things... I think we keep getting epic choirs, end of the world stuff all the time that we're numb to it. And what actually yeah, works yeah, better now is scaling this back down. Like, basically, they only hit, like, a, a reactor factory. It's not to save the world. It's it's one mission. 
and missions like this probably go on fairly often like or like you know like semi-regular it's not like that's kind of the appeal of like it's it's almost run of the mill it's a difficult mission but it's still just a mission and i think that's kind of like the state yeah, you're not bothered are, the mission isn't it's, it's pers- not about that is it it's personal it's relationships yes mm. not not thinking that's my point on it yeah i yeah so i mean dan to answer your question like and 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 uh, Dan's really hyped on the film as well. Um, I th- go, go and go and try and watch like if you if you want some like crazy action films, try and watch uh, the Raid. Um, yeah. They're like the craziest hand to hand combat you'll ever see in your life. In terms of of this, I mean, the only other films that do it like Top Gun, and I don't like them, are Fast and Furious. Um, and but then and Mission Impossible. I tell you it's, what, it's Tom you, Cruise again. Like I love you, Mission Impossible, by the way. A film, if you enjoyed this, it was a film years ago called Stealth, which is about an AI plane which takes over itself. I used to love that film. It used to be what I used to think was amazing CG. It's probably dated really badly. Is it good? Is it a good film, John? Because it sounds, I Uh, I think I've heard of it. uh, I like it. I don't know how good it is, but I used to love it. Okay. And that's going to be about it for us. We're, We're all top gunned out. Now, what you do have to look forward to is our next episode. Our next episode is about obsession. And we're going to be talking more Top Gun because we're obsessed with it. Just kidding. We are going to be talking about Misery, directed by Rob Reiner. Um, you'll see uh, Oscar winner Kathy Bates in that one. Um, and we're also it's a Stephen King. It's a Stephen King. It's and it's it's a fantastic film. John's not seen it, have you, John? No, I've seen a scene of it on Gogglebox. Mm, I know which scene you're talking about. So we're going to be watching Misery. Uh, it's a five-star film, guys. Let's just not even let's not even joke. Um, and we're also going to be doing Ingrid Goes West with Aubrey Plaza. Um, so that is a 2017 film by Matt Spicer. As always, guys, please, please go on your Apple iTunes or your Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. Go on your Spotify. Give us five stars. We only accept five stars. If you give us anything less, I'll delete it. And we don't care about your opinion. As always, uh, I'm now Movies in a Pod Show, which is great. You can come and find me uh, on, on the old Instagram. Uh, you can find John at jcb.video. You can also write your questions, your silly little questions that we'll answer. Uh, that'll be on uh, Movies in a Pod Show at gmail.co.uk. Uh, .co.uk, .com. Uh, try one of the- Either. It'll get there. It will It will get there somehow. Just try both. Yeah, we'll... That's a terrible outro, isn't it? Right. Anyway, with, do you know what? It's because I'm still annoyed at the last episode, our musical episode that we're never doing again. Um, yeah. See you later. <laughs>